Welcome back, Fertility Ain't Fair community. It's your host, Britt, and I am coming back off of a vacation and our annual summer vacation up to the vineyard. And um, while I am feeling rested and so blessed, full of gratitude to be able to have done that, I came back with a slight sinus infection. So if I sound a little bit nasally, it's because I am, but I, I did not want to delay this episode because today's guest is, in one word, transformative. And she is really going to leave you with some things to think about um, and hopefully some, some tools and takeaways to help you navigate grief. Grief is complex. And... For me, grief in terms of fertility has added additional layers that I didn't even know were possible. And so when I reached out to Kristen to talk about grief um, through her lens and through her, her, her experience and her expertise, I really was reaching out to her not only as, as a guest, but as a friend and someone who I trusted in talking about this very complex situation um, and and also to help me out, you know? Um, I didn't know I was dealing with grief with infertility for a while. It, It took me a while to wrap my brain around, okay, that's what that was. Because in the moment and moments, I didn't recognize it as grief. And so I hope that we all learn a lot today. We we take some notes. We we do some some reflection, um, and I hope that you too will will be touched by Kristen Crockett and and her knowledge and just her approach to things because she really is a, a transformational coach. And so I'm just happy to have her here. So let's jump on in to Fertility Ain't Fair with our guest Kristen Crockett. So Kristen, I'm so glad you're here. And I think I first need to tell you that I'm not sure if I told you the story, but after we talked um, one day, it was probably via text or it might have been a phone call, but it was shortly after you started your podcast, we had a conversation. And after talking to you, I literally ordered my mics from Amazon. And I was <laughs> like, I'm going to start this podcast this week. It was It was that simple. Um, because your point was, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it needs to get done. And that was it. It was like the last little push that I needed to stop procrastinating, stop giving excuses and just open myself up to this whole thing. So I love you for that. And for many other reasons, but you, you know, you've, you've pushed me into things and away from things uh, for several years now, always with my best interest in mind. So I just want to tell you that real quick. So I don't know if you knew that you are the, the final catalyst to Fertility Ain't Fair. So welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it, Brittany. Um, that makes me so, so happy. So I'm so happy to be a part of anything that you are doing. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I'll also just say this. So anyone who I know that has crossed paths with you or interacted with you, um, including myself, they leave changed. Um, And it could be subtle or life altering, but you really have the unique ability to reach people on an intimate level 
that leaves them different than before they met you. And that's what I call the Kristen experience. <laughs> because if I had to summarize up, you know, my relationship with you, knowing you really has been an experience of a lifetime. And I know many others would also agree. And so to have you now 100% dedicated to walking and working in your purpose of transformation is a gift that so many uh, more can now enjoy. And so I'm just elated to have you here um, and for our community to experience Kristen Crockett. So before we jump into our, our topic of grief you know, for, for today's show, I always start the show by asking the guest, how do you define yourself? What are the words or phrases that describe who you are? So first of all, thank you. Like I have to pause and say, thank you so much for that. That is okay. You made my week. Um, (laughs) I define myself as a transformational coach and speaker. So really what I do is I help people and teams align their strengths, manifest their goals and transform personally and professionally. That's really what I do. And um, it's helping people take a look at the stuff that they didn't even know was there. You know, Mm -hmm. that could come from their past experiences, their emotions, uh, you know, work experiences, childhood, all the stuff that we just don't know that we're walking around with that Mm -hmm. in order to really excel, we have to really recognize it and then uh, transform it into positivity and and moving forward and let go of what, what no longer serves us. I love it. Um, and, you know, so we met on a professional basis, but, you know, it, it turned into personal. And so I feel like, you know, you have been one of my spiritual guiders um, for, <laughs> for the last several years, quite honestly. And um. I look at kind of what you've done so far and you've made it a point um, to be very intentional in talking about grief. Um, And so I guess, you know, what made you want to dive into grief as an entire topic um, in terms of life transformations and really work with people on it one-on-one? Yeah. So that's a great question. For me, it all started with my work with emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence really, I know we hear that word all the time, but it's really just understanding your emotions and understanding how you impact other people, how the experiences Mm -hmm. have impacted you and created who you are. And through that work, what I started finding is that people in the professional world were dealing with a lot of grief. And it was stuff that they just didn't even know that was there. So it started off with, you know, um, sometimes it's like the death of what you thought was going to occur in your life, Mm -hmm. you know, dashed expectations. You thought you'd be in a certain place. You thought you'd be married. You thought, you know, all of this. And there's a whole lot of grief that comes with that. And, you know, and that grief it attaches to us and it really does prevent us from excelling. And that's really how it started is I started, I started working with people professionally and realizing that their personal lives were colliding with their professional work and their goals and their mindset and all of that. So that's how it started. But then it also led me to coaching where I started finding people who had, you know, miscarriages that, they never mm-hmm. talked about 
And Mm -hmm. yet they would find themselves in a room with me where they're like crying and kind of sharing things or a parent that was lost to them or a friendship. We never talk about the grief associated with friendship with, you know, with friendships that we have Mm -hmm. to let go or that people no longer talk to us. So there's a lot of grief and loss in what we do. Um, Also in, you know, with COVID it's losing jobs or losing people and, I don't think as a society we ever truly deal with grief and loss in the way that we should. <sighs> That's a lot there. Um, and I, I want to go back to grief in a lot of forms. Before I, I go there, I want to just quickly give, you know, the definition of the word grief. And so, you know, according to Google, you know, it's a noun. Um, it, it means deep sorrow. It could also mean trouble or annoyance. Um, Wikipedia defines grief as the response to loss, um, the loss of someone or some living thing that has died specifically to which a bond or affection was formed. But there's a lot more to it than just those things. So how do you define grief, either formally or informally? To me, grief is about the expectations, the emotions, the love, all of that that we have no place else, like it has no place else to go now mm-hmm. um, because there's been some kind of loss. And I, that's really what I look at. It's, it's, it can be very deep. It's very different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very, you know, personal, it's individual, but it also can be very collective and healing as well. So mm-hmm. that's how I define it. And so what I wanted to go back to was that I think a lot of people, including myself, I really looked at grief as just the loss of a loved one, a physical loss for so long, for most of my life. That's how I defined grief. I reserved that space for a physical loss. And then when I began to grieve my fertility and my motherhood journey, I didn't think it was grief. Like I was like, how dare I, you know, think that's grief. And I was like, what am I feeling? And I finally got to the point where I was able to acknowledge in those moments and still like, that's what that was, or that's what that currently is. But it it wasn't instant. I didn't instantly connect that. But you mentioned, you know, grief can be the loss of anything, a business, an idea, a relationship, an expectation. And that for me was what it was. It was the expectation of, you know, believing that I would, you know, easily get pregnant or that I would within X amount of years start a family um, or that, you know, I, I didn't have any foreseen complications that would, you know, change that, that vision. And so, you know, once that vision and that path was completely altered, I didn't know what to do with those feelings. But looking back on it, it's like I was grieving the expectation and the vision and the thought of what I believed my journey to motherhood would look like. Yes, absolutely. But that was a big transition. (laughs) Yeah, and it always is. I think that traditionally we have always, like you said, I I don't think that you're any different from most people of equating grief with death. And um, I definitely think it's, it's more accurate to say it's, it's equated with a loss. 
mm-hmm. and a loss of what we thought would be. Mm-hmm. And so we have people that, you know, I talked to one woman um, who's a client that she really thought that she was going to retire at this particular company and then mm-hmm. she was laid off. So that can have a deep, profound impact on you because you're really in your light and you're in, like in your head, you're planning right. your life, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're, and you're thinking this is going to happen. This is going to, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, when I retire, you know, and then when that doesn't come true, it is, it really is, it kind of can hit you in the gut. And I think Absolutely. of that. Yeah. I think of that as like grief. There, there is definitely surprise grief. And then there is the grief that, you know, for example, somebody that, um, like when you know that you're going to get laid off or mm-hmm. you know that someone is dying or they have an illness or things like that, there's such a difference between the surprise and then the one that you kind of know is happening. And those are, those can show up in different ways for different people. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I think sometimes we kind of lump it all together, but there's, you know, as you, as you mentioned, various I think layers and sections of grief and, and they're all valid, but they're, they also are all different and they may show up differently. Um, And so I'll go there for a minute. So, so how, how are the ways that grief can show up? Obviously it's different for all people, but as I mentioned, I was someone who wasn't able to identify something as grief until I was, Um, but not everyone gets to that place you know, where they can either accept it or identify it. So how, how can grief show up in, in, in different situations of, of people? Grief can definitely show up as sadness. It can morph into depression. It can show up as people who their behavior changes. They become withdrawn or they are busying themselves with all kinds of things because they're not ready to deal with it. It can Mm -hmm. show up as happiness where people are just super, super happy all of the time because they may not want to deal with it. Right. So Mm -hmm. it, it shows up so differently. There are some people who will grieve uh, a week later, a month later, some people, it takes them five, 10, 20 years. And some people honestly never grieve. So mm-hmm. what it looks like is very different for each person, each circumstance, each situation. Um, and it's important for all of us to know that because we tend to think that we should grieve the same as mm-hmm. everybody else. Right. And there are even some people who just associate like the loss or death of something as a part of life. And therefore they incorporate that into their worldview. So losing a person for them, even if it's their father or their mother or, or, you know, someone really close, they look at it as a concept of, well, this is a part of life. So it's not Mm -hmm. as sad as someone else Mm -hmm. um, or they're not grieving the same way that someone else does grieve. So that's the most important thing for anyone listening here is for us to really understand that we all grieve in very vastly different ways. And we have to really be compassionate with ourselves. And then when we're compassionate with ourselves, we can then be more compassionate with others because we all know like there's a certain way we expect people to behave. And it's like weddings and funerals, those things, (laughs) that behavior just doesn't always go that way, right? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, people say, well, why aren't you crying? Or why, you know, I think about those times when there has been a loss or a death right in the family. And so you look at someone and say, well, well, they haven't cried yet. Or, you know, they don't look sad, you know, and it's like, 
it's it's an it's a, not for us to to put on them what we think it should look like or feel like um and that's with anything right even if you're dealing with infertility and and loss of pregnancy or or anything um you know it's not for anyone else to judge and say well you know why aren't you doing it this way that yeah. that's not your place right it's you know, really um, it can't be. And I, I, I can't yeah. tell you, like, so many people have come to me and said, well, this, you know, my aunt was doing this, or my brother was doing this, or this person's spouse was doing this. Like, you just don't know how it hits. And I will say this, like, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's also like, when you lose a parent, it is one of the most difficult things. But that's mm-hmm. vastly different from losing two parents. Right. That's even different from losing a spouse or a child or a sibling or a cousin. Mm -hmm. Um, or a best friend who you've talked to every single day, like all of those different components are very, very different. And it also Mm -hmm. depends on what that person was going through on top of that. Right. Did they lose a job? Are they having trouble, you know, conceiving? Uh, are they going through a divorce? Like all these things can really change and shift the way that we grieve and the way that we feel when we experience a loss. Yeah. And I think also, so would you say if there's a difference between grieving and mourning or are they kind of one and the same? I think that they can be different. I think culturally they can be different because I think certain cultures, like they build in a mourning process for people. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's different cultures around the world. But I think that how you mourn and how you grieve can also be individual. But the Mm -hmm. one thing I would like us to do a little bit more of is to mourn and grieve collectively. I think in the United States, we have gotten away from that. We've got, we've gotten away from the way that ancient, you know, and I'm not even going to say ancient, I'm going to say some of us are disconnected from our ancestors, right? So Mm -hmm. whether that's through slavery or immigration or, just moving, you know, (laughs) like it's, 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 we can be disconnected from those rituals that were created to help people actually collectively grieve. And I think that that's important, which is why I do sessions on grief and loss and invite people to them, because I think it's so important for us to gather different perspectives and to understand that, you know, we don't need to judge ourselves for grieving mm-hmm. <laughs> for mourning. Right. right. <laughs> like we don't need to judge others. We just need to understand that it is what it is. And we're going to have our own personal process with it, but it helps when you hear other people go through it. And I will tell you when I lost my father, mm-hmm. which is the 10th anniversary of my dad's death this year. But one of the mm-hmm. most helpful things for me was for people who had lost their fathers to call me and talk about their experience. Mm, yeah. So that is something that I started doing for other people was, you know, after two, three weeks um, to send them a list of the things that they may experience and that it's okay because I wish someone had done that for me. Right. That's a really good point. And also a helpful, I think, tip. Like you said, people, people don't know what to do sometimes and they're, they, they don't know how to, you know, help someone. They don't know how to, uh, be there, you know, for people. And so that's a really good resource, I think, and, and tip for someone to say, hey, 
let me check back in. Let me send you something. Let me, you know, find a way to be there for you, even if you don't ask um, sometimes. Um, And so I think I wanted to go back to, um, in terms of grief and mourning, I think it's funny (laughs) that, you know, jobs put in place these couple days, right, of, of bereavement or, or what have you. Um, and once again, all jobs are different, but I think on a standard corporate level, you know, jobs have in place, you know, some days, right. For grief to happen or for, you know, things to come together. And obviously it's never going to be enough time. No, but how do you think, I guess, companies and jobs could do a better job with creating a space that actually allows people to, you know, have more time or, you know, can I use that time in a year, right? Like, do I have to use these days right because the funeral or like, could I take that bereavement time a year from now, two years from now when I'm actually maybe in the throes of it? Like, how would you suggest companies do a better job with dealing with these types of situations? Well, you know, what's interesting is I, you know, the last company that I went to, the very first week that I started, it was uh, someone lost their five-year-old child. Mm. And I felt like they did a really great job of actually reaching out to that particular person. And first off said, you take as much time as you need. Mm -hmm. Um, Second was, you know, in addition to that, it was, how do you want to communicate this? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you want people to say? What do you want people not to say? What are the things you want them to stay away from asking you about? You know, um, and I think that that's a really great thing just as a manager. I think sometimes we talk about companies and organizations, but really it's about the individuals. It's about right. the individuals who are the, the, the employees, the managers, the, those individuals. What is, what is it that we are going to do to be more compassionate about or, you know, to the people that are experiencing this loss? I will tell you a very mm-hmm. simple thing um, because I also lost a coworker, one of the ones that I mm-hmm. was like, that was the one that I was the closest to. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, Brittany, that honestly, for the first 24 hours, I sat on the couch and just, it felt like it wasn't even real to me. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I had people who came and like canceled meetings. They just took everything off my schedule. But I also had people who were still calling and asking me for things. And so (laughs) it's like, we have to really be much more compassionate about what we are like, does it really like, do you really need this document (laughs) right Right. now? Right. This week, like (laughs) what, what if we could wait and give people some time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What if we could take things off their calendar? But the other thing too is, not necessarily like always including that person because there are some people who really need to work. Like they, they, it's like how they feel busy. It's how Mm -hmm. they feel like that might be their grief process of, Mm -hmm. you know, just having to work or or needing to stay busy so that they don't sit in their sadness. And so I think it's, it's so individual. And I think it's so important for us to 
ask and to communicate. But then sometimes it's like, you have to maybe even have these conversations ahead of time, right? That's what I was just thinking. Like, I think ahead of time, you know, I don't know if it's it's when you first start or if it's part of onboarding or what it is, but like, like we, we ask people a lot, how do you want to communicate, um, you know, success or acknowledgement or recognition? But do we ask them, you know, how do you want to, um, you know, communicate or, or, or handle um, a loss or, you know, a grieving process or et cetera. Like, how do you want to handle the bad shit? <laughs> like- exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because like, we're, we're so different. Like if you ask me, um, you know, what could I do for you? That would be mm-hmm. really great for you. If you've experienced a loss, what I say is probably going to be different from what you say. Right. Right. And so we always think about empathy as jumping into somebody else's shoes, but sometimes we can't do that. We just need to ask. And, um, and so I, and I find that a lot too, when someone has passed away and we always like, you know, we do the same things. We send them cards. We, you know, Mm -hmm. um, flowers. Yeah. Let me know. Is there anything I can do for you? Just let me know. Right. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. the reality is that some people have no freaking clue where to begin. They just like, they're so lost that they don't mm-hmm. even know where to begin to ask. And, and a mm-hmm. lot of times too, what I'm finding is that there's so many people that have, you know, that's who I work with. My, my, my people who want to do it all the time, like that, like mm-hmm. meaning they're independent, they want to do everything on their own. And then when you're, when you grow up that way and you really need some compassion, it's hard to then ask for it. It's hard to right. know where to ask or how to ask. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have a lot going on when it deals with, <laughs> with grief or loss but that's why we need to have these conversations right before things happen yes yeah 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 how how would you like to be comforted you know sometimes it's a Mm -hmm. you know um it's a cup of hot tea it is a hug some Mm -hmm. people can't stand when you hug them you know I don't necessarily I love hugs but I don't want to be touched (laughs) when I'm crying (laughs) yeah 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 so it's like we just all are very different some people I look at like when you are, are in a cubicle and you find out that someone has an illness or a terminal disease or someone has passed away, like even just offering people your office for mm-hmm. a period of time where they can cry mm-hmm. is completely compassionate, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I think in terms of the fertility journey, and so it's like, you know, definitely something that I think you need to talk to your, your support system about. So whether it's your spouse or your partner um, a parent, a best friend, you know, and I think that comes with inviting some people along on the journey with you. And it's not always easy to do that, but I think to have those, those, you know, few people, um, that know when something happens, cause it's bound to happen, um, you know, whether it's bad news or a bad test or, you know, unfavorable results or, or an actual loss like said, of, of a pregnancy or whatever it is, that when you, you tell them or when you're, you're acting not like yourself or, or when you say, hey, this happened, they'll already know, as you mentioned, how to help, right? Because it's very hard in that moment to, to help. And so if you talk to them ahead of time and say, hey, I think this is how I want you to help me when I have some bad news, 
And if I call you and say, hey, this happened, this is what I would like to happen on the other side. And that would change so many situations and be very helpful for, for so many reasons. But the ahead of time is, is key. Yes, absolutely. Um, so you said something on your podcast. Shout out to the Plastic Couch. And we'll definitely, of course, <laughs> plug your podcast before the end of our show. Um, but you said something in one of your episodes regarding grief and it, it made me stop. And I think I texted you about it. Um, and I said, I need you to come on my show because this is everything. Um, (laughs) and you said grief isn't linear. No. Whoo. Yeah. That that was a gut. That was that gut punch. Like that hit me so heavy. Uh, because one, it's a powerful sentence and statement, uh, two, because I felt like I was in a space where I was, I had gotten past acknowledging, okay, this is what grief has looked like in the past. This is, this is how I feel about it now. Um, but then I had to realize that grief can be continuous. Yes. And just because you deal with it for one situation doesn't mean it's over, <laughs> Right. And it sounds so simple when I say it out loud, but it was one more of those those steps along this journey that changed my whole perspective because I was like, I, I know how it's showing up for me. I know how I feel about it. I know what it looks like, what it feels like. But why the hell is it happening every single month? And I had to realize that yes. every time your period comes, you grieve again. Every time you get that phone call that, you know, we need to uh, skip this month because of whatever, or the blood test came back, it's not favorable. Um, like every single time you hit a stop to what you think is going to be, you know, hey, it's this time, right? We got our hope back up. We're faithful. We're on the journey. We're going moving forward. But every single time it comes back a no. You grieve again. And that shit was hard. So I, I just wanted you to talk talk us through kind of that statement and, and, and what that means to you and, and why you said that and, and how you came to to that that realization. Yeah, I think that you know, thoughts and emotions are never fully buried or buried, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and so they can pop up. And they can be just as fresh as, Mm -hmm. you know, as it was a year ago, as it was two seconds ago, as it was, you know, the day before. And so I really think that it's important for us to, again, be compassionate with ourselves to know that, like, even for me, let me talk about my own experience with my dad. Like, last year, like around his birthday, I was crying for three days. Mm. And had no idea why. Like, I had no idea why. Mm. And there are just times where it can pop up. It was, you know, 10th anniversary is a long time. It's a long time to be without your father, you know? Mm. And I think what happens is that we tend to think that you grieve, you get over it, and you're good. And that is not how grief works. It It is, you could have done the work, whether you're in therapy or coaching, whatever, you could have done the work. And then all of a sudden 
three months pass, something else occurs, you have a memory, it takes you back to that very moment, the day that you lost that, that thing, that, that person, that experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so we just have to know that each year of grief looks different than the, than the year before. Yeah. You could go through three years and be, you know, like, oh, this is great. I'm incorporating celebrations, you mm -hmm. know, memories. And then all of a sudden you could hit a point where it's, you know, you're crumbling in tears. And so I think that it's important to know that that's day by day, that's week by week, that is year by year. It's, it's really just like you just have to take each day with mm -hmm. what you have. Take each day and... If you have a if you have a great day, fabulous. But sometimes you could have a great hour, and then have right, a, have, right, have a crying Cel moment that, the next get that hour. Celebration for that hour. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I think that it also just so depends on what else is going on in our life, and mm -hmm. you know, or is there support? Like are our you know significant others or friends or family are they being supportive? Right, because mm -hmm. that also. Um, can, can, you know, that can add to it. It's also like you have some people that are like, come on now, this was 30 years ago. This was 20 years ago. Right. Like, why are you right. still harping on this? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's just so important for us to allow people to feel their feelings. Mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, <laughs> the same thing happens with change. We have stages of change, but you will, sometimes you can go from the first to the second to the third and then go back to the first, right? Yeah. Um, you're okay with a new manager, you, you love them. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'm missing my last manager. Right. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> right. It's, it's so important for us to know that it is nonlinear and we cannot expect ourselves to get over something. It is moving through it mm -hmm. and moving through it just might reveal itself that we have different emotions popping up here and there, um, when we least expect it. Mm. That's that's it. <laughs> I, I guess that it just you know, I, I think the way you explain it is is just so important. And as you mentioned, it's just it's getting through and not over or around. You know, it, yeah. it's it's through, um, and that makes a difference on how I think you approach things and how you will eventually get through it. Um, because I think if we keep looking at things as if you have to get over it. That that for me doesn't leave the space that I need to to deal with it. Um, I feel like through gives me the space and the time I need to you know gradually cope and deal and heal. Um, but but over it, that's that that for me doesn't work anymore. It's it's like you know. But I think that's also one of those things we were taught, right? Get over Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, get up. You're fine. Get over it. But that manifests into adult situations and, um, you know, adult problems. And if if you don't handle those those things, as we know from childhood or from you know adolescence and, and kind of growing up in the way that we learned how to deal with things, you know, it, it does fester and, and manifest in ways that that won't allow you to move forward. Um, yeah. And, and I want to say something too here, Brittany, that's really important mm -hmm. for people to know is that it also festers and, and actually stays in your body and it comes yes. out through illnesses. Um, 
and diseases as well. Like you can look at, Mm -hmm. you could give me any illness and I could tell you the emotions that are associated with that particular, with holding on to that, Mm -hmm. those particular emotions and how that, that gets, you know, it stays lodged in the body until we actually deal with it or handle it. And I think that, you know, so many people grow up in families and communities and workspaces where we are not allowed to feel. And we are told that we have to get over it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the way that we have socialized boys, right? Right. Oh, get up, shake it off. You know, like you're fine. Stop being a punk. Stop crying like a little girl. You know, like right. those are really unhealthy ways of being. And then what happens is it just manifests itself into, you know, every area of our life. So I do think it's so important for us to stop, to feel, to to really you know, be okay with, with sometimes not being okay. And to know that the way that we are handling life might be different from someone else who's been through the exact same experience, but it's always different because we grew up in a different family. We grew up, you know, with different, you know, emotional tools and, and, Mm -hmm. and strengths. So yeah, it's super important to know that. And I'm glad you brought the physical portion of it because, you know, obviously I think a lot of us think of, of grief, it's of course, very emotional, um, you know, mental, spiritual, et cetera. But, you know, I, I was definitely going to ask you to touch on that. So I'm glad you did in terms of how it manifests physically. Um, because I, I know for myself, grief and anxiety in particular, also depression slightly for me, was beginning to manifest itself physically. And that's what scared the hell out of me. Right. Once I realized that all three of those things and probably some other shit too thrown in there was literally wreaking havoc in my body and was coming out in the form of panic attacks, anxiety attacks, um, physical pain. Like my body was like fatigued. I was exhausted. Um, Like everyone gets tired. Everyone gets fatigued, exhausted, but this was like an, it's like a chronic fatigue. Um, I was having a different like pains in like my, my body, my, my bones. And it was like, I ain't done nothing this week. You know, like I haven't even had the, the, the capacity to even work out to even feel sore. So like, what is happening? But it was all connected. And that's yes. when I really, really knew I had to get professional help because I was like, I am not going to allow these things to overtake my mind and my body? Hell no. <laughs> yeah. I got to go. And it's so <laughs> funny. Like I, I had a few different, you know, um, people that I know that were, you know, all high achievers, extremely independent and, and kind of not taught to really talk about emotions. Mm-hmm. But one of their things is like, they were having issues with their bladder, right? Mm-hmm. As they got older. Mm-hmm. And one of the doctors said to them, this is really like you've been holding your mm-hmm. bladder so much, right? Mm-hmm. That basically now it is like it's tortured. Mm. <laughs> it's like it is so accustomed to, you know, not being used properly yeah. that it's just it's, it's kind of doing its own thing. Like it's mm. so important for us to know how emotions, anxiety all of these things really do impact our bodies. And we're not necessarily taught enough about that in this particular country. But, you know, that's the thing for me is like, once I started making all these connections with, you know, 
even surrounding yourself by positive people versus, you know, being around toxic people, like mm-hmm. all of that impacts us and our thoughts, our beliefs, um, you know, they are energy and that yeah. energy has to lodge itself someplace and it will lodge itself in our body if we do not, yeah. you know, release it. So, yeah. No, it's real. And I also, and adding to that, so it was the racing of the heart, which is always terrifying. Yes. And also, um, I started to have acid reflux. Yeah. Yep. Like, I was like, what the hell is going on in my throat and the heartburn? And so I was over here taking, you know, over the counter, like, you know, um, heartburn medications, and it would kind of help, but then not really. And I was like, once again, I didn't eat nothing crazy today, you know, like, right. what is it? But it was stomach acid and the anxiety mixed around, and it was coming up as that. I was on Prilosec for, like, a little bit. Um, but I was like, this is crazy. Like, I know it's connected. I get it. But now I really get it. And yeah. this has got to be fixed. <laughs> And let me just read some of the things um, associated with acid reflux, right? Mm. Feeling irritated and frustrated about your inability to control what is happening around you. Yeah, check. (laughs) Check, check, Guilt, guilt about the past, feeling Mm. helpless about past choices, resisting life rather than learning from your experiences, feeling uncomfortable with what you're seeing, feeling, hearing, and experiencing, difficulty digesting life. Those are some common things that are associated with acid reflux. It doesn't mean that you have to have all of them, but it's so so important (laughs) for people to start realizing that our illnesses and what we're doing to our bodies are completely related to emotions. Mm. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, but it is. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Yes to a lot of those things. Um so and 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 trying to wrap this up, um, what advice do you have for those who are in a grieving season? Um, you know, obviously once again, everyone is different and every situation is different, but are there some things that you would uh, send out to people who are, are currently in, in a grieving season. Yes, definitely. So one of the things that I, I want people to, to do is to just be comfortable with where they are right now. However mm-hmm. they are grieving is okay. Um, there are, there are definitely uh, affirmations that I created that are grief affirmations for mm-hmm. people just for this experience of just, you know, talking to them about like, for example, like being so incredibly tired, like grief makes you tired. Grief is heavy, right? Yes. Completely. And I think what happens is that we, we don't necessarily take time to just sleep. And, and one of the things that that's really important for us is like sleep repairs the brain. It repairs the heart. It repairs cells. Mm -hmm. It's so important to, to take that time. If you're tired and you're grieving, go to sleep, go to sleep. (laughs) You know, don't feel bad. Just really make sure that when you are grieving, whether it is your fertility, whether it is, you know, a job, a loss of a loved one, truly, it is the most important time to take care of you. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's also the hardest time to take care of you. So 
you know, allowing yourself to feel, allowing yourself to take naps, allowing yourself to be supported. You know, when people Mm -hmm. ask you, start thinking of one or two things that, that would be helpful. Is it Uber Eats, right? Like, Mm -hmm. actually, let me take that back. Is it, (laughs) is it sending food through a food delivery service? Right. Right. Is it that you might need fresh flowers one day to boost you up? Is it that you might want someone to just come and sit with you? Like, what is it? What's one thing that would be helpful? Is it sending, you know, a case of sodas or bringing over a bottle of wine? Like, what is it? Just think of that one or two things that you can, you can actually rely on your network for. And mm-hmm. to always really think about the fact that grief can be transformational. It really can. It's, you're going through the fire, right? And we know that fire transforms things. And you may not always be the same on the other side, but sometimes not being the same is an incredible thing. You just have to get to that moment where you start to celebrate the, the great aspects of the people, the things, the experiences that you've gone through. And then also sometimes, especially if, you're, if it's related to infertility, infertility it is also you know, taking that time to come to terms with whatever, you know, whatever is happening with you. Mm-hmm. And it's really okay to scream and cry and be mad at life and everything yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> that, yep. that yep. you don't have to, you know, just be like, oh, this is happy. This is, oh, this is, no, you have a right to be angry and upset and feel how you feel in any grieving situation. And, um, and how you grieve is is all okay. <sighs> I'm taking a deep, reflective breath because I just I thank you. I thank you, thank you, thank you for for joining us today. Um, and y'all, this is just a little. This is a snippet of what <laughs> Kristen can do for your life. Okay, like she when she says she is trans a transformative you know, coach, that is, is what she was placed on this earth to do. She's been doing it for a long time, I think both formally and informally. Um, but this is her whole business now. So you too uh, can have the Kristen Crockett experience. Um, so please uh, tell us, Kristen, how people can reach you on web, social, plug your business. How can people find you elsewhere? Sure. So definitely my website is kristencrockett.com. I am on Instagram at the Kristen Crockett. And also LinkedIn is a great place if you're interested in career transformation. Um, you know, all of that. I have a lot of things that I do on LinkedIn. But I am definitely, if you want to reach out for coaching, um, grief is always a part or can be a part. I should say it like that. Grief can be a part of your coaching journey, but we really work on everything. So life and career and whatever it is that you bring to the table. Um, and we work on transforming and, and it always begins with self-awareness. So Brittany, I want to thank you so much. Um, and also a shout out to the plastic couch podcast. Definitely join me there. It's available on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your, your podcast from. Um, and you can hear more about me there. The Plastic Couch Podcast is all about taking a look at the stories we are telling ourselves. We're talking about what's really keeping us from manifesting the life, career, or relationships we want. 
So what does the plastic represent for you? Is it anxiety, anger, shame, fear? Or is it about being trapped in other people's expectations? I'm your host, Kristen Crockett. Join me as we take a look at what's on the other side of the plastic. So that does it for uh, this episode of Fertility Ain't Fair. I hope you all really enjoyed our guest, Kristen Crockett. Please make sure to check her out on the web, on social, check out her podcast, um, The Plastic Couch. Uh, You know, contact her if, if you need something, if you're looking for some transformation in your life whether it's professional or personal or both. Uh, She is absolutely a resource and I'm so glad to have uh, been able to connect our community with Kristen Crockett. So thank y'all for listening today. Um, As always, please check out um, Fertility Ain't Fair on social media at Fertility Ain't Fair on Facebook and Instagram. And make sure to check us out on our website, fertilityaintfair.com for past podcast episodes and merch. Um, And until next time, I am your friend in fertility. Stay hopeful.